98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort Masters, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset. Yep, this is where you go to get caught up on all of the top stories of the day right here on the Burns and Gambo show. We are at the turn, the midway point here on this Wednesday afternoon. We're going to start with the Arizona Cardinals. They're getting geared up for their first preseason game on Friday. They're taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury says rookie tight end Trey McBride will likely not play on Friday as he continues to battle back issues. Yeah, I, I doubt it will be um, after today. I, we just rested him, and so I doubt it'll be um, Friday night, hoping for Baltimore at this point. And of course, no Kyler Murray on Friday, but Cliff says they're still working K1 back into things. We feel good about his progression next week. I think he'll be back out there, and uh, we'll still be smart, but just getting the team reps, building that rapport. Hopefully we get Rodney Hudson back at some point next week and can get uh, get the band back together and, and start moving forward as a first offensive unit. And with COVID too, right? Take it slow. Come back. Take your time. Come back slow. No rush with anything. I agree with you when you said it. I don't think Kyler Murray plays a down in the preseason. I don't think Rodney I Hudson think, does either. I don't know. Coming off of COVID and just with the contract, I think I think there's, they're going to be one of the teams that play it safe. Now, not all the potential starters will take the game off. Those several we are, several several will. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury highlighted three players in particular that are projected starters who are expected to get some time on Friday. Corner Marco Wilson, linebacker Dennis Gardeck, linebacker Zaven Collins, starting caliber defenders that will likely get some playing time on Friday. Yeah, you know, Marco's been called out quite a few times by Cliff so far. And so this is like, you know, so they're not like, you know, you're not getting any breaks as a one-year veteran. You're going to get out there and play because they need to see more from you because Cliff is pushing you. I know this is not for everybody, but I'm going to be very interested in this. The premier date for the Hard Knocks in season for the Arizona Cardinals. Wednesday, November 9th on HBO and HBO Max. The episodes will be released every Wednesday through the end of the season. That includes the playoffs, with the exception of the team's bye week in week 13. For a team that hasn't played well in the second half, to see the chronicling of behind the scenes during the second half. So when does it start? That's when it starts? That's when we're going to be able to air them, uh, or we're going to be able to watch them. When are they filming it? I imagine they'll be filming at least a week leading up to that, if not okay. more. I, okay. would th- I don't think they're going to start. I believe it's the Seahawks game the week before the Saints game is when cameras it come is in. Is when cameras come in? Okay, yeah. So so pl- you know, with plenty of time before they actually come to air. Yeah, they'll be taping behind the scenes way before that. I'm looking forward to it. Really curious to watch it. Arizona Cardinals legend Larry Fitzgerald and late journalist and our friend Pedro Gomez among the 2022 class members entering the Arizona Sports Hall of Fame. The announcement was made today by the Arizona Sports and Entertainment Commission. Yeah, I mean, obviously a huge honor to be in the Arizona Sports Hall of Fame. And both guys, I know there's a lot of other candidates, uh, but both Fitz and Pedro Gomez, of course, very worthy of that honor. Diamondbacks in action tonight looking to follow up on Tommy Henry's first Major League win. They got the Pirates coming up tonight. Mad Bum on the mound facing off against righty Mitch Keller. First pitch at 640 here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station and the Arizona Sports app. Diamondbacks have won three straight. Five of seven. They actually have the second best record in the National League West since the All-Star break. Behind of course the LA Dodgers who are like 16-3 and three since the All-Star break. Yeah. This was just the 1981 season where they split it into two halves and then had the two winners of each half play each other. 
They did that in 1981. If only. If only. 1981, you take a first-half winner, you take a second-half winner, they play each other. It's the year the Dodgers beat the Yankees in the World Series. But the Expos got into the playoffs that year, the Montreal Expos. By the way, the Diamondbacks had won 19 out of the last 25 games they played against the Pirates. Wow. 19 out of their last 25 games they've beaten them. Mm. Mm-hmm. They've owned them. They the came here on 98.7 FM. John Candelaria is not walking through that no, door for not. the Pirates. Willie Sturgill's not walking Kent through that Kobe's door. Ken not walking through that door either. Barry Bonds. Bobby Omar Bonilla. Marino. Andy Van Slyke's not, not walking through that door. No, Tim yeah, Foley. No. <laughs> Our top story of the day, though, um, might be that Kevin Durant isn't walking through that door for the Phoenix Suns because our top story of the oh, day. Oh, look at you. Hey, well, it's, uh, this is why they pay the man the big bucks to be that. Look, did you see that transition? He's a pro. Smoothly moved right into Rennie Stennett walking through the door and somehow he turns it into Kevin Durant. Look at that. <laughs> Ian Begley, a reporter covering the Knicks and the Nets and the NBA for SNY TV, has reported on a couple of things that I think will be of great interest to Phoenix Suns, especially if you're trying to get Kevin Durant here. Ian is reporting two things that you need to know about. Number one, that Durant now sees Boston as a desired landing spot. And number two, that in addition to Boston, Durant also sees Philadelphia as another desired landing spot, according to people okay. familiar with the matter. Something I've been saying for quite some time is coming to fruition. Would that be the word that here? That would be the word. You have to expand the number of teams you want to play for. You have to expand it. It can't be Phoenix or Miami or bust. Miami doesn't have anything to give them. They don't have anything they can give them. And the Suns have been told time and time again, you don't have enough to offer. You've got to expand it. you got to throw it out there. Now, Boston and Philly and division rivals and, you know, that stuff, you know, some people made that, well, is he putting those teams in because you know they're not going to trade him there? No, I think he's literally trying to find other teams that would be a good fit for him. So he he doesn't want to play there. He doesn't want to play with the Nets. But you can't just say, I only want to play for one team or two teams. You've got to open it up so that way the Nets can really move you. Because now we're talking about... Tyrese Maxey? The kid's 21 years old. Potentially. Like, you're talking about good players that the Nets might be like, okay, I can make that work. I can make that work. So that's where you're seeing these other teams come in. So it's interesting. You heard Boston. Now you've heard Philly. I don't think the Suns are out of it. I think this makes it a much, much harder. Yeah. Because if the Nets decide, look, I'm just going to take the best offer. Look, if you want to ship them somewhere, you don't got to deal with them, ship them to Phoenix. Ship them out west. But if you're really looking for the best offer, you're very likely going to get a better offer from Philly or Boston than you are with the Suns. Yeah, now I've always wondered, I've, I've always doubted, to be honest with you, that they would trade him to Boston just because, A, oh, they, got, they got burned in the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce thing a few years ago, and B, because that's a division rival and, and you, you just you don't want to help them out. Or In Philly, they kind of fall in the same category. But you have made the point and you continue to make it and you're not wrong in making it. In a moment like this, you probably just have to take the best deal you can possibly get. And Jalen Brown... And Shams said it yesterday on Pat McAfee's show. Man, of all the pieces that have been thrown out around there, Jalen Brown's name is the best one we've heard so far. When you look at the best player counter that's on the board, I think Jalen Brown would have to be that. I think if you can go get Scotty Barnes from Toronto, which right now Scotty Barnes is not on the table, I think you'd go do that as well. Um, But as it stands right now, Jalen Brown is probably that centerpiece of a trade that makes the most sense. Uh, But, uh, you know, Toronto, Miami, Boston, I think even Phoenix. Yeah, I just... I never thought, and maybe they still won't, that Brooklyn would send him somewhere in the East, somewhere in their own division. It's it's just to, man, get him as far away from you as you possibly can. But I, I had always wondered, and you know this, we talk
talked about this. I had always wondered, is, is Phoenix the only real team on Kevin Durant's list, or does he, A, have others, and B, does he need to add others if he really wants to get out of there? That's why when I read the story, I thought, oh, no, this isn't good news for the Suns at all, because now if he starts giving the Nets more options of places he's willing to go, then suddenly getting him here to Phoenix makes it that much tougher, because Boston's or, or Brooklyn, I, they're going to have better options than, yeah. the, what, than what the Suns are offering. Yeah, this is a story up right now uh, on Yahoo. It says, as of earlier this week, there were high-ranking members of the Sixers who felt strongly about engaging with Brooklyn on a Durant trade. Yep. It is unknown if Brooklyn and Philly have made any recent progress. The Sixers would almost certainly have to include Tyrese Maxey in a trade for Durant. Given the dynamics at play, you'd think Tobias Harris, Matisse Thybul, and other players' draft picks would be included. They've got good players to trade. You've got good players to trade right there. Now, you know, you would also reunite the the, the two in Harden and, and KD. Which is an interesting dynamic. But weren't they just together? Like in, yeah. I don't know, somewhere like when a couple days ago, weren't they like hanging out at a concert or something? Oh, KD and Harden? Yeah, KD and Harden. I, I don't remember. Yeah, they were. were they, they were hanging okay. out somewhere, okay. yeah. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, they, yeah, they were, I don't know, they were hanging out. I don't know, fuck, I don't know where, but they were hanging out together. on TMZ heavy over there. They were at the Coldplay concert in France or something, <laughs> or Germany, wherever that big Coldplay that. Go. No, but they were hanging out together, so you would you would put those two back together again. Yeah. Which is really, really interesting. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo, it's time for all the campers to head back home before school. And by school, we mean the preseason. And by the campers, we mean the Arizona Cardinals. Camp is done. Now what? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Souls and Kona Brewing. Burns and Gambo on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. All right, I always want to admit our mistakes. Uh, camp, <laughs> camp is not over for the Arizona Cardinals. It's just not open to the public. They're back at the stadium next week. I thought they were done. I, I thought today was, like, I thought they was just a couple weeks at the stadium and then they were going to go back to the facility. They're actually back at the stadium next week, continuing, quote-unquote, training camp. So today is not the final day of camp as we know it. Today was just the last one that was open to the public. The last one? Close enough. <laughs> I know. Well, I, just, I know it, what you meant. You know, I, I, I know, I but, but, you know, the last camp one is open to the public. It's yeah. still technically going on. So uh, my bad on that one. There still is training camp. But in terms of your ability, our ability to go watch it, it's... It's done. That part we can't see anymore. Now everything happens behind closed doors. The first preseason game, though, is coming up on Friday. And for that, Cliff Kingsbury spoke uh, to a certain extent about who's going to play, who's not going to play. Specifically, if you're looking at Friday's game and thinking you're going to see a bunch of starters playing, you're not. Not a ton. I mean, we're going to play some guys who have a chance. Like Zavin will play some. Um, Gardeck will play some. Marco on defense. Offensively. Yeah, not not too many guys that I think will will crack that starting lineup. Imagine what it feels like to be one of the projected starters, and yet you're being made to play in this game on Friday while everyone else is getting the day off, <laughs> right? Like, and not that you're being punished necessarily, but like all those other guys, yeah. they're they're in a different category than you are. They're, maybe they're more established than you of are. Of course, they're maybe, they're, they're maybe, in a different club yeah. than you are. You're not you're not in that club yet. You're in the yeah. We think you're going to be a starter. Let's let's go see what you got against the but Bengals you on a Friday it. afternoon. You Absolutely, you got to prove it. You know, none more than Marco Wilson. 
has been called out by Cliff a few different times. You're during training camp as, you know, as they, they want more from him. They want more. And, you know, I do think, with, you know, for Marco, you look around and it's just, man, it's just that cornerback room is not good. Like, I'm better than all of these guys that are behind me. Me and Byron are so much better than everybody else. You know, they didn't get King. They didn't get Robert Alford. They worked out two guys today. Um, they did work out two guys today. I'm trying to find out if they're going to sign any of them. I still think they're going to have to make a trade for a cornerback. So I don't know if that made him feel comfortable in his spot, but he knows he's better than all those other guys. But as there was something in camp that Cliff didn't see enough of Marco Wilson, positives in Marco Wilson, to where he's been pushing him. Yeah, and he has been, you know, he's, he said some things publicly about him. We'll talk about those players they had in for a tryout, including one of the cornerbacks. Trey McBride, the tight end, um, the second-round pick, not likely to play on Friday either. Yeah, I, I doubt it will be um, after today. I, we just rested him, and so I doubt it'll be um, Friday night, hoping for Baltimore at this point. The, the players who came in uh, were outside linebacker Jeremiah Adaochu and cornerback DeAndre Baker. Now, Baker we've talked about a few times yeah. because upon his release from the Kansas City Chiefs, there was some speculation from the fan base and others that maybe the Cardinals would want to kick the tires on him because they obviously need depth at the cornerback position. They did bring him in for a workout today. I don't know what it's going to lead to. They need quantity at this position because yeah. quality right now is a little thin. No, I still think you know that the feeling is that Baker's just he's just a guy. You know, he's an average player, but there may be better corners out there to trade for. So that's what I know that they're really looking at is can they trade for a corner? If you get Baker, I don't think that like I don't think they would look at Baker as oh he's an answer. I still feel that they they think the best way to get a cornerback that could actually help them is to do it via trade. So we'll keep our eye on that too. Teams aren't really getting rid of anybody yet because they got a brace for injury, right? You don't want to trade a guy sure. now and then you find out in your next preseason game that two of your corners goes down and you just traded a guy to the Cardinals, you look silly. So a lot of teams times you wait to the end of training camp, uh, right before the season starts, before right before cut-down day before, to make that trade. And of course, the guys that are out there at corner, we've talked about them a million times. We've talked about Joe Hayden. We've talked about Janoris Jackrabbit Jenkins. We've talked about Baker. You just got that. We've talked about Robert Alford. I think all along, in some ways, we just sort of assumed that Robert Alford would come walking back through that door. Uh, but Cliff, and this is from August 4th, so this is about six days ago, I think made a very specific point of saying something very specific about Marco Wilson. Yeah, a lot of grabbing, holding going on out there, and we, we don't want to get guys injured, and we want to play by the rules, particularly with the refs out here. I mean, we got to start tightening things up. You saw a bunch of flags, and we knew, as always, that's the case the first day that the um, NFL refs, they're working on their game too, but um, we got to clean up a lot of things. I, I think that's a position that where guys got to step up, um, really like some of the veterans we have at different positions on defense. Murphy's really come a long way. Mark um, you know, we, we want him to step up and, and be an every down starter, but we'll see. I think the jury's still out, and uh, the rest of those young guys, somebody's got to step up and, and help us out. Yeah, it was funny. He was asked about what he was going to have for dinner that night, and he found a way to talk about Marco Wilson. Like, <laughs> no, like the, the you could tell. I mean, that was very specific. That was very specific. I'm going to find a way Purposeful. to, yeah, I'm going to find a way to bring Marco Wilson into a conversation, even if you don't ask me about him, because I want a lot of fire into this kid's ass so he plays better. Yeah, Trace McSorley is going to get the start of Quarterback. Anytime you get out, you get a chance to go on the field um, and show what you can do and perform and play the game is a huge opportunity. So I'm definitely excited about that. Um, excited for a lot of guys on this team. Be able to go out. We've had a great camp so far. Just be able to go out and now put it on the field against another team and, and show what we can do. Show what we've been working on. 
I think for the backup for those two guys, right? You know, you, for the third quarterback, I think that's you know something that you know preseason games can matter. There's always a couple of guys, special teams wise, you're trying to because you're trying to put your special teams together. A lot of times, you know, there's no doubt over the years guys have made made the Cardinals roster based on what they've done in the last preseason game. No doubt. So there are spots available, but the main ones that we talk about are not. They're pretty much situated. You know, the, the ones that we talk about on a daily basis, those those spots are pretty much secure and taken care of. No, they are. And, and that's why you, you, you paint this picture. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying in general. You paint this picture of the preseason. We want it to mean something. We want it to matter. And in, in respects, it does. You know, for a guy like Greg Dortch, I imagine it matters very much. Yeah. These three preseason. Andy Isabella, maybe it matters. Maybe it doesn't matter as much because the jury's kind of come back on him. And but to him, it matters to him because if he could play well, maybe he could use that to get on with another team. Right. I mean, I asked you earlier, like, is Andy Isabella even going to be on a football roster when the season starts next year? And you said no. Next year when the season starts. So if he gets cut from the Cardinals and hangs around this year and goes somewhere, you know, is he a guy that's going to have to have some tryouts? And, you know, you go a year, you go two years without making a roster, then they forget about you. You're done. Your career mm-hmm. is over. You got you got one or two years to try to make a roster. If you don't get if you don't get on one, it's over. Yeah, but certainly for the starters who are being made to play in this game, it matters. And for guys like Dorch, for guys like Isabella, for guys who are, you know, every roster is going to come down to like 10, 15 guys. Maybe they make it, maybe they don't, right? For those guys, these games are very, very important. And, and like you say, for putting that stuff on tape for the next team they might sign for, that's very, very important. But Kyler, I don't think Kyler's going to play it down this preseason. I don't think Rodney Hudson's going to play it down. I don't think J.J. Watt's going to play it down. I, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know if Isaiah Simmons plays it down. Because I don't know if they'll want to show anything about what Isaiah Simmons is going to do out there. Like, they're going to want to keep that so under wraps. I don't know if Isaiah Simmons plays a single down in the preseason. I would say he does. You think so? I would say he does. because he's, he's not young a, and he's, he's, not a, he's not a veteran no, player. I'm not trying he to, hasn't I'm, earned I'm, anything. I'm not saying he's like, not because he's established himself. Just because the way they're using him is like double secret probation but type you can, stuff. You can do some basic stuff. Look at him. I'm going to put your cornerback cover this guy one-on-one. You know, base coverage. You know, so I, th- I don't think that they'll show a like. I don't think you'll see an Isaiah Simmons blitz at all. They're not going to show any of their blitz packages there. But I think that they'll they could have him go out there, and I, I would expect that he plays a little bit. Legendary grunge band Alice in Chains heading to Auction Pavilion on September 10th. Limited tickets are available. You can win a pair now by heading to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. We got a rip job alert. We have a national writer with a rip job towards Arizona State football. Bro, bro. I'll tell you about it next. Burns and Gambo. Back here with you at the Burns and Gambo Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I was just mentioning to Eric on the talk back that there is a fourth game in the series against the Pirates. I want that sweep, Burns. You, you, you really you want that sweep. You, you, hey, slow down. Huh. Slow down. There's a fourth game tomorrow. All right? Don't go jinxing things. I'm just glad somebody wants to clean up around here. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice. Um, welcome back. Burns and Gambo here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Speaking of our Eric Ruby, let's go to him for our Twitter poll question of the day here on Burns and Gambo. 
Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, preseason opener coming up on Friday for the Cardinals. No Kyler Murray, he's not going to play. Will he play at all this preseason? I'm surprised you guys remembered the poll. Uh, oh man, come on, man, seriously, come on! Uh, like I'm not going to hit that softball lob to me. Wow. Come on. Okay, yeah, you know what? Next time you forget, yeah. there's a fourth game in the series between the Diamondbacks and the Pirates. I, I pay attention. I just won't remind you. Yeah, I'll, I'll just, you get one I'll, minute an hour. Just, you got to get that stuff I'll right. Let you make a fool out of yourself every half hour here on the show. Fine, Eric, you get and make fun of my age. Knock yourself out. Right, man, I did not realizing there was a fourth game in the Pirates series. He comes out and he hits you with that. Okay, I, seriously, try to help the kid out, and man, he just smacks me right in the mouth. All right, uh, I guess I got to learn my lesson. Yeah. Sorry, That's I'll take right. my phone and I'll put it back in my pocket after it slid out. <laughs> put it in your notes. Find the notes the page notes on your app, phone yeah. and put it in there. I'll uh, go just to bed go to- tonight and I'll put the entire Diamondback schedule on there so I don't forget. <laughs> Swipe right and tell you in your notes that there's another Pirates game tomorrow. There you go. I'll make sure I do that. Swipe right. <laughs> All right. Oh, good. What you got? Let's, uh, let's get this poll question because I actually do have a fresh one for you guys. Oh, the question okay. is, will Kyler Murray take at least one, the number one snap, during the three-week preseason for the Cardinals? Yes no. or no? No, he will not. Yeah, he that one, 62.9% of people are on board with that saying yes, uh, saying no, my apologies. I'm just messing up all over the place no, that's today. All right, don't worry about Let's it. see if I can get this one. Which Arizona Cardinal is most likely to have a breakout season this year? This coming off of your guys' talks about Eno Benjamin earlier in the show. Your four options are, obviously, Eno is in there, Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins, and another name that's been pushed out there even by national media in Rondale Moore. Breakout season. Who are the guys again? Isaiah Simmons, Eno Benjamin, Rondale Moore, and Zaven Collins. It's Isaiah. It's Isaiah. A breakout season? Isaiah I'll go, over I'll Rondale? Go with Isaiah Simmons, yeah. I'll yeah, go just because there's, there's nothing Rondale can do, I don't think, to be the number one or number two receiver over Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. I think he'll get plenty of opportunities, but breakout? I mean, I think he could have a really good I think year. He could have but a really good year. Breakout would be. Yeah, I'll go with Isaiah too. But yeah, I understand the Rondale thought process there. I, I think he could have a really good year. I just think Isaiah Simmons is being primed for greatness this year with what they're going to be asking him to do. What's our audience say on this one? Early returns are rolling with the star backer as well, forty-five point three percent. In second place, though, Rondale Moore at thirty-five point nine percent. Those two getting the lion's shares of votes in the last two places, fifteen point six percent are voting for Eno, 3.1% for Zavin. All right, those are our poll questions. You can find them on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Now, before I, I read this rip job from Pete Thamel on ASU football, and, okay. and nothing that he nothing that he wrote is wrong, mm-hmm. per se. He just he just took a hatchet. To, he was writing a story about guys on the hot seat, and when writing about Herm Edwards, he really, he really went after it. I, I was thinking about ASU football actually when I was driving in today from a totally different context. If they can actually do good things this year. If they can how big of a surprise would it be if ASU football were actually good this season? What do you define as good? Um, more than eight, eight wins or more. I don't see it. Um, look at it. I, I think that they I, I, like, I do think they could win six games. I think they can. I mean, they're, 
Eastern Michigan and NAU, and but I don't think that they could beat you know USC and Utah and, uh, and Oklahoma State. I just think that I, so I don't think that they. But if they did, let's just so you're saying if they did, if they shocked I, the world I, and won eight games, I classify eight wins in a college football season as a decent to good season. You had a pretty good year if you won eight games. You you weren't great, you weren't elite, but you you were pretty good. How but we are there is so much doom and there is so much gloom and there is so much expectation that this is it for Herm and there's so much expectation that this program is going to really suffer this year because of the talent drain that they've had over the last six months. Man. If they were to come through That'd with the kind of season that yields eight wins. Eight wins? You might put Herm in contention for coach of the year. I, I mean, how do you get a five, where do you find eight wins I'm on I'm not that saying schedule? they're gonna. That's not what well, I'm I asking. I know you're not. I know. I, I know what you're saying. But if they did win eight, what, what, what would that do? Like, does that... I still don't think it changes the fact that something really, really wrong went on under Herm's watch and you got to move on. Like, you can't dismiss that. If the team steps up and they, you know, they, they play above expectations and they win eight games and they, they send them out with a, with a nice season and a bowl game, if they're even eligible for the bowl game, and he rides off into the sunset, you know, or, or on his train or whatever it is. <laughs> and, but I don't think you could dismiss the fact that, you know, there were some violations that went on and they call it a bump. Like what I was told in all my conversations with ASU was like it's a, it may have been a bump, like a chance meeting. Like her may have met the guy, but he didn't like it. He didn't set it up. These the recruiting violations during the pandemic when guys came when they weren't supposed to and and things like that. That it was kind of like a, what they call it a bump, just a chance meeting. Yeah. So but I still think that happened under his watch and he's going to have to pay the price for it no matter how many games they win this year. Does not, that make sense? Yeah, it does. I, I, I'm not trying to find an outcome where Herm is still the coach, you know, because I want it to happen. I'm just wondering, is there a set of circumstances that can kind of combine where Herm would be the head coach beyond this season, where they have a better than expected season? They win eight games, seven games, maybe. Doesn't we, dismiss the recruiting issues that no, they've no, had, that they're all. not recruiting well, and not they lost all. so many kids in the transfer portal. It's just But if the investigation is still unresolved by the end of the season, and based off the comments by Michael Crow, he said yesterday to the Athletics, Doug Haller, that he's he doesn't even think they've interviewed the current coaches yet, the current staffers yet. I, I Are mean, they having a staff uh, a staff shortage? Everywhere I go, everybody's looking to hire. Is the NCAA <laughs> looking at how well, we need investigators? Sixteen dollars an hour plus free lunch. Maybe. I mean, maybe. I, I, like, is that the problem? Like everywhere you go, it's like we're having a staff shortage. We need. I mean, maybe the NCAA needs to hire people. But if this thing is unresolved at the end of this football season, and somehow ASU can squeeze eight wins out, of, and it's highly unlikely, but somehow they can squeeze eight wins out of this the schedule, I wonder if we'll get to the end of the year and we'll see people making a case, you know what, let's keep him around for a little bit longer. We don't know what they've done. Nothing's come out yet. The investigation's not over. The team was better than expected. Herm, can you imagine the praise Herm would get for taking a roster that was completely depleted through the transfer portal that the NIL just destroyed for taking that team, rebuilding it on the fly, and squeezing eight wins out of it? Can you imagine what kind of praise he would get for that sort of job if he did it, I see, I, I see four or five wins. I do too. I do too. I, I, four or five. I'm just trying. To, we've been surprised before by teams that we thought were going to be <sighs> awful, and they ended up being good. And I just wonder if that story happens here with 
JSU, can there be some other alternate ending to this? Because what we're all expecting is that Herm's gone. We're expecting that Herm's this is the last year. That's probably what it's going to be. It would be like the man in the high castle with like an alternate ending to the war. Like if JSU wins eight games and I mean, is there a scenario in which Herm comes back and coaches next year? Like if they win a game, I don't know. I'm thinking out loud. I'm just thinking out loud. I, I know. Here's the rip job that Cut. came from Pete Thamel. And um, he was writing about coaches who were on the hot seat and coaches who were in trouble. And, and he picked one coach per conference. Um, ASU President Michael Crow, his refusal so far to fire Edwards amid a significant NCAA probe is both baffling and hypocritical. The, pro- the program has spiraled into the laughing stock of the Pac-12. ASU has a bad roster and underwhelming staff, the Pac-12's worst recruiting class in 2023, all that and a milquetoast 25-18 and record under Edwards. Um, The only people who don't see this ending poorly are in the president's and AD chairs in Tempe. You can't fire them. They shouldn't. They they could, but they shouldn't have fired Herm. Because then you got to go hire a coach. Your offensive coordinator also left. Your defensive coordinator also left. So you didn't have, you know, anybody in house. You could have gone interim, but without with those two guys gone, both coordinators, it was hard. If you would have fired Herm and said, "Hey, we got a coaching sir. Who wants to come coach ASU? We're under investigation right now. We don't know what the penalties will be. We could lose scholarships. We could have a bowl ban. Look, we just don't know. Come here and coach our program. It's we're having a really hard time recruiting. U of A is kicking our ass in recruiting. Oh, we're losing a lot of our players. It's not a good time." You know, Herm is like that pitcher that you look, our bullpen's depleted. You've got to go six innings no matter what. And I know you just gave up We're down eight seven runs third. in we the first care. inning yeah. and threw 40 pitches. you got to keep pitching. Herm's got to just take this on the chin. Herm's that guy. Herm's taking it on the chin for ASU this year. The hope was the investigation would be over. You deal with your punishment. You have your season. You create a little bit of distance between the investigation and, and then you know, Herm loses his. Herm either retires or you fire him. He's probably going to retire, and then you start a coaching search with certainty of what you're selling to that coach. You have certainty of what the punishment could be when you sell it to that coach. When we come back, we thought that Kevin Durant had taken his request to be traded all the way down to DefCon One. Our colleague Dan Bickley says there's another level that Durant could and should reach if he truly wants to be a Phoenix Sun. What does he have to do? We'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports. Kevin Durant. Watch. The latest on KD to the Suns with Burns and Gambo. So in the movies, and in particular in the uh, 1982 classic War Games. War Games. Okay. Remember War Games? I think so. Matthew Broderick. With the kids and they controlled the computer that yeah, was going to like start World War Three. Start yeah. World War Three. yeah. That's where the whole DEFCON thing comes from. DEFCON 5 means, War Games. Yeah. yeah, it's War Games. Classic. Ali Sheedy, Matthew Broderick. Uh, okay, I got this here right now. You ready? Yeah. Okay. War Games. Who, uh, director? John Badham. Jeez. I give up. <laughs> Freaking give up. 
when I just give up. Like, seriously, you're a rain Stay man. in your freaking lane. You're rain man. You're rain man. Come on, man. You're rain man. Um, I, I never heard of John Badham. The only other movie. I've never he, heard of him. The only other movie he directed that I remember was Blue Thunder, which was the helicopter uh, just, movie with just Roy Scheider. Just, yeah, just, just, it's just stop. Man, I saw War Games in the theaters, I swear to God, probably 20 times the summer it came out. Just rode my bike down to the theater. I'm like, hey, what are we going to do? Let's go see War Games again. Why not? What else are we going to do? It's 125 degrees outside. Let's go to a movie theater. Uh, yeah, John Badham. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, so War Games, DEFCON 5, we're at peace. DEFCON 1, we're at war, yes. right? And, yeah. and the closer we're getting to war, you hey, take us to DEFCON 4, take us to DEFCON 2. I thought Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets were at DEFCON 1. I mean, I thought what he did, the ultimatum. Yeah, fire the coach, fire the GM. Like, how much further can you go? Right. How much worse can it get? Right. right? Fire like, the coach, fire the GM, or or I, I can't play for you. Then along comes Dan Bickley, our co-host for Bickley and Murata in the mornings and our lead columnist over at ArizonaSports.com. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. It's It's got to get worse than this. Kevin Durant. Like, how can it get worse? How can it get worse? He's just asked for Steve Nash and Sean Marks to be fired. Yeah, like, like what's worse than yeah. that if you're Kevin Durant? And he wrote, and, and it, man, he, uh, this is a column that really got both of us thinking because there's a lot in here. But Bickley wrote today, um, by my calculations, this is a quote, there's only one way Durant lands in Phoenix. There must be a second act of petulance, even worse than the first. He must eliminate all other suitors with his bad attitude and essentially force the Nets to take a deal from the Suns. And that only happens if he doubles down on his jerkish behavior. Hold out of training camp for a while. And then when you finally show up, cause a scene. Pick fights with teammates. Call out the coaching staff. Stuff that Jimmy uh, Butler famously did so in like Minnesota. An, so like an aftershock of an earthquake. I guess. <laughs> Here's the earthquake. Here yes. comes the aftershock. <laughs> Hold on. I can't play with Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Guy wouldn't get vaccinated. I can't play with him. Like, like just something. You bark at Joe Harris Nash during a practice. This guy's always hurt. Who wants to play with a guy like that that's always hurt? Yep. Yell at this dude. Yell at, show up and go, okay, yeah, and just be a pain in the rear. Pain in the rear every single practice, every single day. I mean, just show, like, like, Bickley is suggesting, hey, man, this isn't even, this is tip of the iceberg type stuff. This, this, is the, this isn't even the, the main course here. If he really wants to get to Phoenix, he's got to make this as difficult for them as possible. Show up and be a pain in the rear, just like Jimmy Butler did in Minnesota. I forgot about Jimmy Butler. Man, he wanted out of there so bad, he just went scorched earth with everybody until it's like, okay, get him out of here. Right. We can't have this dude here. Well, I thought you know, a lot of people felt, a lot of people that I spoke with in the NBA felt like, okay, this is it. Like, it's going to be really difficult to bring him back now after he asks for the head coach and the GM to be fired. It's going to be really difficult. It's unlikely that he's going to come back now. They'll find a trade partner. Um, but I do think that the news that came out today that kind of pushes more of a Boston angle and a Philly angle and other teams being available may have him avoid that. He may not have to do that. Because once you are start opening it up to, to other teams, you know, if Philly's in the mix now with Tyrese Maxey, a terrific young player, um, if, if they're willing to make a trade with Boston now and maybe they weren't before, you might not have to get there. Yeah. You might not have to get there. Now, if Kevin Durant is just sold on Phoenix and Phoenix only, look, again, I've been, I'm telling you, they, the Suns have been told several times, you don't have enough to make a deal. You don't have enough. You don't have, you just don't have enough. 
which would mean the Suns would absolutely have to get other teams involved and come up with something extremely creative to make it work to be able to give them something that's better than what a Philly or a Boston could give them. Yeah, and we'll and we'll dive a little deeper into the Philly and Boston stuff coming up in a few minutes because that is kind of the latest today as we see it. A report suggesting that Durant is interested in Boston, that Durant is interested in Philadelphia, and of course there are ramifications for what that means for the Suns. I'm telling you though, I think the most thought-provoking part of what Bickley wrote today was this line about how, okay, he's making it messy in Brooklyn. How messy is it going to get here in Phoenix? And I hadn't thought of the story about this like this at all. Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton are probably all wondering about their fate. Bickley writes, it will be even stranger for them if they believe Booker and Paul are eagerly awaiting Durant's arrival and no longer invested in them. If the Suns are truly out of the running for Durant, it would be wise to commit publicly to the existing core of this team to soothe all concerns. Yeah, I think he's I think he's on to something here. Uh, how do you feel right now if you're Tyrese Maxey and your name's coming up a whole lot in, in oh, Philly wants Durant. They got up they trade Tyrese Maxey or if you're Jalen Brown. Yeah, when you're when 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 your name's been bandied about a little bit. Now the Suns organization's done a great job of protecting their players by not having them in hey, we made this offer of these guys and that hasn't got out. But you know, you do wonder if from the players' perspective, yes. it's you're wondering what Booker and Paul are you know, how much are they in on this? How many discussions have they had with Kevin Durant? How who's who's practiced? You know, I think Booker and, and KD have had some uh, have been together. They're in LA, I think. Yeah. Earlier in the summer. So like, you know, how much are they pushing for that? And if they're pushing for him, they could be pushing me out the door. Yeah, if you're if you're a teammate, you know, if you're a teammate of the guys right now and, and you're seeing all this Durant speculation, I mean you you, you gotta wonder how much do my current superstar teammates want this guy to join them and at whose expense? At what cost? No, I mean, at the some, cost of me? Yeah. At the cost of this guy? At the cost of that There's got to be casualties, right? There's got to be casualties Absolutely. in getting Kevin Durant. And you know what? If you're not a superstar player, if you're not Devin Booker or Chris Paul, you could be a casualty. Any of them. Any okay. of them. Except for DeAndre Ayton because he's got, you know, he can't be traded for six months. But every other player can be a casualty. And that, that's, that's the price of doing business. If you're going to go get Kevin Durant, there are going to be casualties. And if it doesn't happen, if they don't get Kevin Durant, that's what will make the early days of camp and the preseason and the regular season really interesting to watch for the Suns because one of their greatest assets is how cool they are all with each other, right? Like how kumbaya they are, how they're all on the all same the page. Dancing before and, the game. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, I mean, they're just, they're, they're, they're a band of brothers over there. Has this offseason damaged that? No, I don't think we're going to get to the point where, the, hey, book, I'm wide open, I'm pass me the ball. They won't pass him the ball. I don't think that's what you're going to get to that point. But guys, it's human nature to worry about your future and where you're going to be in your yeah. like if you're Jay Crowder you don't know where you're going to play next year if you're Cam Johnson you're worrying about this extension hey I'm eligible for an extension why don't we have an extension right now if you're Mikhail Bridges you're like listen I was I you know I'm 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 the best player that you could trade to go get Kevin Durant so there all of those guys have to in some way or another worry about it all right so when we come back we'll circle back to our top story of the day Kevin Durant might have a new favorite team he wants to join and in a somewhat related story they might have the best package to offer as well that's coming up burns and gambo